Welcome to RCV Clips, short recordings and interviews designed to introduce listeners to helpful tools and brief explanations about ranked choice voting and how this voting method works. These clips are produced by the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center, a compilation of best practices and first-hand experiences from jurisdictions that have used ranked choice voting, also known as RCV. The website, www.rankedchoicevoting.org, and the overall project serve as resources for election administrators, voters, policymakers, candidates, and for anyone who wants to learn more about ranked choice voting. We are not advocacy-focused. Rather, we aim to provide resources that allow jurisdictions to implement RCV effectively and efficiently. The RCV Resource Center team is comprised of former election administrators who have conducted statewide, municipal, and district RCV elections. Welcome to the November 2019 episode of RCV Clips. I'm Rosemary Blizzard, a member of the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center team. Today I'm talking with Chris Hughes, the RCVRC's Policy Director, about East Point, Michigan's RCV election this fall. East Point adopted RCV to settle a Voting Rights Act lawsuit brought against the city in 2017 and is the first place in the United States to implement RCV as a Voting Rights Act remedy. Chris advised on implementation and was in East Point for Election Day, so we're having him on to tell us about what happened in East Point. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. Um, so tell me a little bit about East Point as far as where it is Michigan and you know, what type of city population-wise. Sure. Yeah. So East Point is a suburb just on the northeast side of Detroit. Um, it's just over the county border from Wayne County, which is Detroit and a couple other suburbs, and Macomb County. Uh, East Point's just at the southern edge of Macomb County. It's a population of about 32,000 people. The population has been pretty stable for the last few decades, which was interesting as I was doing some research. Um, and it's a pretty blue-collar place. And in the last few decades, um, it's had a rapidly growing black population. For the longest time, it was a predominantly white uh, suburb of of Detroit and now has a, a much larger black population. How did we arrive at RCV as an option for East Point? What uh, precipitated the lawsuit? Sure. So like I was just saying, uh, the city has a rapidly growing African-American population. In 2000, in the 2000 census, uh, African-American people were only about 4% of the city's population. But in the 2010 census and based on data from 2018, uh, the pop- that population, the African-American population, has grown to at least 46% of the population. In less than two decades, the city has experienced a massive shift uh, uh, demographically. So that's sort of the underlying facts of how the city is changing right now. Mm-hmm. And the reason they were sued is that the city... Uh, up until this year, always elected their city council um, in two seat at large elections. So the whole city voted at once for two seats mm-hmm. every two years uh, to their city council. As the black population grew, candidates that African American voters supported weren't seeing any success in city council elections. So the Department of Justice sued in early January, alleging that, or in early January 2017, alleging that the this at-large two-seat method of election was unfairly diluting the votes of African-American voters, was making it impossible for African-American voters to elect a candidate of their choice to the East Point City Council. Um, and that's what that's what brought us to the suit. Okay, so we've, they've 
brought the lawsuit against the city. Um, how did RCV become an option for a solution to that lawsuit? And, and then further, you know, more than that, how did the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center get involved? It's a good question. We're not totally sure where the idea of ranked choice voting in this election came from. I think it's interesting because there's a, a long history of alternative remedies being mm -hmm. used in Voting Rights Act lawsuits. I say alternative remedies to mean anything that isn't just drawing a district, a majority minority district where the community of interest, if it's African-American voters, Latino voters, drawing a district where they are a majority of voters and are essentially guaranteed to elect a candidate of choice. That's the traditional remedy in a Voting Rights Act lawsuit. But mm -hmm. there's alternative remedies like cumulative voting, like limited voting, which I'm not going to get into here, but are essentially just different ways of giving people voting power that allow you to keep an at-large election. And ranked choice voting, which as as you mentioned earlier, had never previously been used in a Voting Rights Act case as the remedy. Um, and so from what we, what I understand, the city was interested, wanted to try, or wanted to avoid districting. They wanted to keep their at-large election method. I believe the attorneys involved as well wanted to keep an at-large method, partly because um, the there's this primary test, the first test you do in a Voting Rights Act lawsuit, where you apply these things called the jingles factors. They're from a lawsuit or from a Supreme Court case laying out how Voting Rights Act lawsuits proceed. There's three factors. One, the that the minority group in question must be sufficiently large and compact enough to make up a majority in a single member district, that the minority group is politically cohesive, meaning its members tend to vote similarly for the same candidates, and that the majority group in East Point white voters vote sufficiently as a block to enable that group to defeat the preferred candidate of the minority group in question. Um, and I guess there was some question as to whether the lawsuit fulfilled all three of those factors. And so in order to avoid the expense of a trial whose outcome was pretty uncertain, the city and the Department of Justice, they decided to settle the lawsuit instead, which is how ranked choice voting got introduced as a remedy. Um, this is actually how all the other alternative remedies for in Voting Rights Act cases have been introduced. Cumulative and limited voting were all introduced through alternative remedies as well. Um, but because this case was settled, ranked choice voting could be introduced uh, as the remedy in East Point. That's really good information. Uh, I don't know that a lot of people are very familiar with all of those things that go into settling voting rights lawsuits. Um, yeah. There's also, there's two more things I should add as well. One is that, as may be clear, there's a rapidly growing African-American population in the city. And mm -hmm. even if they, the city had ended up districting, it's likely that the vast majority of that population would have been in a single district and would have remained in a single district for a long time. Um, and so they may have made up, African-American people may have made up more than 50% of the population in like 2020 or 2021, but still have only been guaranteed to elect a single member of the city council, which seems pretty unfair. If, if they're a majority of the city, they should probably be able to elect a majority of the city council as well. And so right. alternative remedies like ranked choice voting allow that to happen. The remedy is responsive to the number 
the people who show up to vote and the share of population in the city as a whole instead of just to how the district lines are drawn. Gotcha. That's interesting. So how did we get pulled into all of this, uh, all of these changes in the city? Yeah, so we got called in early May um, by people on both sides of the of the case, by both the Department of Justice and by an attorney representing the city of East Point, because they had already gotten pretty far down the road of talking about adopting ranked choice voting for the city to settle this lawsuit. Um, but they were trying to figure out how they were actually going to run the contest because uh, they the city uses election systems and software equipment, but ESNS, that their election system vendor, doesn't have a way to count multi-winner ranked choice voting, the form of voting used in East Point this fall. But we do. We have the universal RCV tabulator. And I'm not sure who referred them to it. I, I believe it might have been ESNS mentioned to them that, you know, we had this software that could run the election for East Point, um, or that could determine the results for East Point. Mm-hmm. And so we got we got reached out to by both Department of Justice and and the attorney for the city. And that's how we got roped in. We I gave them both, I talked to them both for like an hour explaining how the tabulator works, talking about how voting systems work and how it all fits together uh, and how it would work for East Point in particular. Very good. Uh, I do have to say that it's it's pretty awesome that we're on the Justice Department's radar for good things. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, it's kind of easy to get on maybe in their not-so-good radar, but uh, it was really exciting to, to see this all develop over the last couple of months. So, And, and thank you for your help in, in talking to both groups. It's my um, pleasure. Yep. Um, also, too, the, the Ranked Choice Voting Tabulator is exciting to get to see that be used in a, a real real-life example. So... Uh, lots of information about that available too on our website. So they've offered this remedy for the lawsuit. Uh, we've been involved in talking back and forth with both groups and, and helping them understand what options are out there. So, you know, ranked choice voting elections don't just get implemented by snapping of fingers. What did the city have to do? A little more information about what steps they had to take in mm-hmm. order to implement ranked choice voting as a remedy for this election. Sure. So before anything could happen, the city needed to actually settle the lawsuit. So the first thing that happened was the city and the Department of Justice collaborated on what they were they called an MOU, a memorandum of understanding that <clears throat> laid out the rules for how ranked choice voting would work in the city of East Point. So that was number one, just essentially defining how the method will work. And this was based um, on model legislation from Fair Vote based on uh, Minneapolis's uh, ranked choice voting ordinance and based on feedback that I gave and I believe that people at Fair Vote gave as well on drafts of that MOU to make sure that it conformed to best practices for ranked choice voting. Mm-hmm. So that was number one. Um, that settlement got approved, um, I believe, in mid June, early July, I don't remember the exact date anymore. Um, And of course, once that happened, we were sort of off to the races. It was only four months between the approval of the settlement and election day. So 
the city, the state, and the county had to sort of just get in gear as quickly as possible to be ready to run ranked choice voting in November. So for the city, that meant a lot of it was internally city staff um, who are pretty, uh, you know, it's a small place. It's not a rich place. They they only have so many staffers. They only have one um, primary elections person. But this any staff that could had to sort of get on board and learn about ranked choice voting. So that was one big hurdle was just learning how ranked choice voting works because they knew they were going to get a lot of questions from voters as as the news came out about its adoption for their local elections. They had to design voter intent rules. So if people made errors on their ballots uh, that weren't covered in the MOU, if the MOU didn't say how to handle those errors, they had to develop rules for that. They had to design a voter education plan, which they did um, by contracting with Grace Ramsey, who is a former Fairvote staffer and has worked on in ranked choice voting for a long time and is now an independent consulting just doing voter education. They had to design their ranked choice voting ballots and they had to sort out their equipment. Of course, they already had the ES and SDS-200s, and they knew they were using the universal RCV tabulator, but they had to learn how to use the tabulator um, and make sure that the tabulator was certified and tested for use in Michigan. So that was those were the big things the city had to focus on before Election Day. Right. And, and those are pretty common things that any city would have to do. Um, and when implementing ranked choice voting or, or changing right. any part of their election process. Right. Um, so as the city, you know, recognized their to-do list, uh, what did the, the county and the state have to do in order to be able to allow the city to, to move forward and get to sure. actual implementation? Yeah. So the, I should say before I move on the state, the city, the county, um, People from DOJ, people representing East Point, um, representatives from the Resource Center, as well as people from Fairvote, were on biweekly calls with everyone, with you know all those people, just mm-hmm. making sure that we were all on the same page about what was happening with ranked choice voting, um, staying on top of everything that needed to get done, providing advice where it was needed, that sort of thing. And those calls were actually really important to just helping everybody stay on track uh, and and knowing, being able to anticipate what might be coming next and and being able to plan out and get ready for the election. Um, and that was all thanks to uh, Angela Gable, who was the, the attorney representing the city of East Point. But uh, on those calls, the state was frequently focused on, you know, how does ranked choice voting work under our state law? One mm-hmm. big thing that we had all to to grapple with that ultimately fell to the state was testing the universal RCV tabulator and getting it certified for use in the state to be used in East Point. The state has pretty strict certification requirements for their equipment. And so we had to work really closely with them to make sure that the universal tabulator, when it got tested by Pro V and V, our, our federal testing lab, um, and then got tested at the state level, did meet the requirements um, of the state and was usable in in the state for their elections. They also, the state was also uh, helping to advise on how state law would impact or control uh, any decisions, you know, that had to be made by the city or the county 
for their ballot design or for their voter education or their um, their voter intent laws, because mm-hmm. there's Michigan has some very particular rules about um, ballot instructions and how ballots are presented in the state. So that was one place where the state had to um, help make sure that the city, you know, followed the state law and then also managed to include things like ranked choice voting instructions, which state law doesn't provide for because, you know, East Point is the only place in the state currently using ranked choice voting. Right. And it's pretty common for, you know, any smaller jurisdiction like a city or town to have to default to state law or federal law about how ballots are structured and instructions and, and those types of rules. So, right. um, it was, you know, something new because it was RCV, but it's not uncommon to have to consult with the state for certification purposes and right. other exactly. rules. So. Yeah. And then the county, I, I don't want to say the county didn't have a lot of work to do. I know they were busy. They had a lot of elections that they were responsible for in the county this fall. Mm-hmm. But as far as East Point goes, their primary responsibility was getting the cast vote record, getting the, you know, the ballot level, ballot by ballot data from the machines um, on election night and cleaning that up, making sure any undeclared write-in votes were were processed properly, and then getting that CVR finalized and sending it back to the city. That was their primary responsibility on election night. I know that they were helping and advising all along as well with you know, hosting information on ranked choice voting or directing voters who had questions about ranked choice voting to the proper places, but that was their big role. They didn't have a lot of other responsibility um, at the end of the day, when it came to this, the, to the election itself, I guess one of the other thing that they were also responsible for was actually certifying the results of the election. Um, but that was all, of course, in concert with the city, as any city election would have been, whether ranked choice footing or not. Right. And I thought I'd mention just for maybe if we have some newer listeners uh, to this episode that the cast vote record doesn't disclose anyone's personal information it is is purely just a a record of the votes themselves and not actual ballots um correct wonderful um so uh, as we mentioned early on you were actually on the ground in east point for election day and uh, is this was that your first election day that you had been involved it it was my first election day on the like election administration side of an election, yeah. Okay, so how was it? It was slow, <laughs> which from what I hear is good news. Um, that is absolutely music <laughs> to any election administrator's ears. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was definitely a long day. Um, I know I, I flew in that morning, so I wasn't there from 5 a.m. like everybody else was, but people were up from five to midnight. It was, mm-hmm. That's it was a long normal. day. Yeah, That's yeah, you normal. know, they they got up early. They made sure their precincts were open. They ran their election. They had set up public education tables at every precinct, so just little tables that had information about ranked choice voting if people still hadn't heard about it or still had questions, and just to make sure that you know people felt like they understood what they were doing with their ballots. Grace Ramsey was also there uh, on election day in East Point uh, to serve as the like RCV hotline. So if anybody had really detailed questions about ranked choice voting that poll workers couldn't answer, because poll workers were just trained to tell voters, rank your candidates in order of preference. If people had more questions, they just directed um, 
they were just directed to tell people to call the RCV hotline, um, but we didn't get any calls at the hotline. Um, so from what we understand, and I don't want to jump ahead too much, but from what we understand of looking at the cast vote record of the actual data of ballots, people used their ballots well too. Like people weren't confused when they got there on election day, which is a pretty good sign. That is a good sign. It's it's always a good idea to have as much information as possible and the access to that information. And, and it's an even better sign when they don't use it. Right. Um, <laughs> so yes, a slow election day is, is always a, a good thing in some cases. So, um, so what, give me a little more feedback, you know, what was your takeaway from the election day? You know, how did, what happened? How did, how did things turn out? Yeah, it's, it was an interesting election. I think there's two, two sides to it. There, one, the administration was really smooth. Like everything went really well. We, on election day, we didn't get a lot of questions. People seemed comfortable with the ballot based on the data we've seen. People were comfortable with the ballot. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they only, it had only, you know, it came sort of from on high and it wasn't like a local process that developed during choice voting. Um, and the next day when we actually ran the round by round count, that went smoothly too. We had election results by noon and and that was it. But the sort of challenging part is that this this was a Voting Rights Act remedy. This was intended to empower African-American voters in the city of East Point to elect a candidate of their choice. The problem from what we've seen of the results is that the most favored candidate for African-American voters, whose name was Mary Hall Rayford, didn't get elected. She came in third. Mm -hmm. Um, The person who, the most popular candidate, Sarah Lucido, was very clearly the second choice of African-American voters and she got elected first because there was strong crossover white and black voter support for her, which is a good sign. You know, we you saw someone who was building a cross-racial coalition in a city that had been sued for racial discrimination. That's that's like a positive sign. But Absolutely. she wasn't the first choice of of black voters. So it's interesting because this shows us that alternative remedies like ranked choice voting, where you're not drawing a district where you are... Um, near producing a near guarantee that a candidate of choice for the community uh, at the heart of a Voting Rights Act claim will be able to elect their candidate of choice. Uh, you're, you're dealing instead with an election system that depends on the turnout in that community, on the strength of candidates, um, and on the design of, of the remedy itself. One interesting thing, and you know, we're still, I think, I know I personally am still processing what this means and how I think ranked choice voting could work in future Voting Rights Act lawsuits. Mm -hmm. But right now what I'm thinking is a two-seat remedy where someone needs 33% of the vote um, is a relatively high threshold. It's not a super proportional way to produce election results. If, for example, in East Point, if they had instead decided to elect all four of their candidates, all four of their city council members at once using ranked choice voting, that would have been a 20% threshold. And based on turnout from election day, African-American voters would have certainly been able to elect at least one and possibly even two candidates of choice to the city council. And given that they're just about, they're 46% of the population right now, that seems like a pretty fair share of representation. 
mm-hmm. um, to be more or less split with white voters. Um, but that's not how the remedy was designed. So I, I do think in some ways the threshold was a little too high for the African-American community in East Point, which doesn't have really good turnout in municipal elections. And it, <clears throat> Voting Rights Act claims are all about patterns. They're about patterns of behavior that lead up to a lawsuit, um, like the, the things alleged in East Point where there were claims of patterns of white voters voting in such a way that that kept black voters from electing their candidate of choice. <clears throat> and we'll see if that pattern continues or how that pattern changes in the next election in 2021. Because this election in 2019 in, in East Point was unique in another way, not just because it was using ranked choice voting, but because the two people who got elected were incumbents. Sarah Lucido uh, was an incumbent running for re-election to her own city council seat. And Harvey Curley, the second winner, was a former mayor and a former city councilman. He's been around East Point for a long time, so he had a really strong built-in base of support. And I, I think we're guaranteed to see a different, um, different set of circumstances in the 2021 election. We'll see how that, how the pattern might shift as the city adapts to and responds to ranked choice voting. Right, um, and then certainly time, in general. Yeah will yeah. change even the scope of that. Um, I don't think we said earlier, what was the turnout for November the 5th? So there were 4,991 voters who participated in the council election, and that was 19% or so of registered voters. It's the highest turnout that the city has had in a municipal election since at least 2011, um, which was also very cool to see that turnout went up so high and, and matches the previous high watermark from everything I know. Right. Municipal elections tend to have a fairly low turnout. And and I believe from our webinar last week that one of the things that contributed to the, the turnout, in addition to possibly RCV, was the fact that the mayor's race, I think, was the first time in, what, 20 years that an incumbent was not running. Right. Right. It was a really competitive mayoral race. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was interesting, too, because the Monique Owens, who was the first African-American person elected to the East Point City Council in 2017, ran for mayor, and she ended up winning. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's an interesting result because mayor wasn't the office that was sued over in the Voting Rights Act complaint. Um, City Council was, because city council is the representative thing. It's the thing that's meant to show who lives in this community, and mayor is, you know, who is the majority in this community. Um, right. at least in, in theory and, and how democrat democracies work. Um, so that was, that's an interesting result to come out of this whole, uh, process as well. Well, it's, it's always interesting to talk about election results, regardless of, of, of what happened. Elections are just fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, one last question, and, and you've touched on this just a little bit, but we'll just sort of summarize you know, what's next for RCV and East Point and, you know, maybe even look a little further wider, cast a wider net and maybe even for Michigan. Is there anything on the horizon? So RCV is slated to be used in at least one more election in East Point in 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll, we'll see how that goes. I know the vast majority of places that adopted an alternative remedy to settle a voting rights tax claim ended up permanently adopting that remedy um, through a court order. 
So most places, you know, adopted for a trial period of two or three elections to see how it goes. And then after it settles in, after people get comfortable with it, um, and, you know, people see how, how well it actually works in their community, they, they tend to choose to make it permanent. So it could be the case that East Point continues using ranked choice voting after 2021, but we're not certain of that yet. And then in the state of Michigan, there's one other city, Ferndale, Michigan, adopted ranked choice voting in 2004, but they've still not implemented it because of issues with state law. East Point got it implemented on this really fast timeline because, you know, they had, um, they were essentially under the gun of the federal government. They had to comply with this settlement that they'd signed with the Department of Justice. So regardless of how state law might conflict with uh, ranked choice voting, they had to get it implemented. So what's next in Michigan is sorting out those, how state law might, um, might act as a hurdle for ranked choice voting in cities and in getting a law passed, the Department of Election mentioned in passing tests that they were interested in working on ranked choice voting at the state level to empower cities to, to implement ranked choice voting. We'll see where that winds up. Um, I know Ann Arbor, there's a big movement, big push for ranked choice voting in the city of Ann Arbor, which is home to the University of Michigan. And Lansing has also had a lot of activity in recent years to adopt ranked choice voting. Um, and there's some talk of a statewide bill for ranked choice voting. We, it's still very early in those sorts of things, but it seems like there's a lot of, there's energy in a lot of, a lot of different ways for ranked choice voting in Michigan. That's good to hear. Um, we'll kind of keep an eye out on things as they, as they develop. Any final comments? I mean, um, you've, said, I, you've said a mouthful. <laughs> I know, we covered a lot. I guess one last thing that we didn't, that I forgot to say earlier is that I, I mentioned that p people use their ballots effectively. We know at least 83% of voters ranked at least two candidates in this contest, and 57% of voters ranked all four candidates in, in the ranked choice voting contest in East Point, which is really, from what I, we understand of how people use ranked choice voting ballots, like really great usage especially in a first-time ranked choice voting contest. Well, that's awesome. That is, that's good to hear. It's always good to look at that data and, and see if there's anything we can tweak along the way. But it sounds like the voters in East Point were very clear on what they needed to do and yeah. and, and did so. So, um, well, with that, uh, thank you for your time and your information. It's It's been quite an interesting couple of months watching all of this unfold. So it's... It's good to see and good to talk about it a little bit after the fact. Yeah, it's fun to fun to talk about and think about. Yep. Thanks, Thanks, Chris. And now for this month's final round, where we share an interesting bit of trivia, useful tidbit, or just something we thought was cool for our folks to know about ranked choice voting. Here's the newest member of our ranked choice voting resource center team, Melissa Hall, with this month's final round. On November 5th, 335,556 voters used RCV to elect 41 local officials. 29,455 of those voters were in the five cities using RCV for the first time where 13 officials were elected. Plus, New York City adopted RCV for primaries and special elections, which will triple the number of voters using RCV when they run their first RCV elections in 2021.
Thank you for joining us today for our November RCV clip. This is a monthly segment produced by the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center. Follow us on Twitter at RCV Resources, on Facebook and LinkedIn at Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center, and check out our website, rankedchoicevoting.org, for more RCV resources. You can find our show anywhere you get podcasts. Please take some time to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast as well. Our theme music is Flutterby by Poddington Bear. Until next time, I'm Rosemary Blizzard on behalf of Chris Hughes, Melissa Hall, and the rest of the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center.